Hi, Clutter Fairy fans. This is the Clutter Fairy Weekly for September 28th, 2021. I'm your co-host, Ed Gumnick, and I'm speaking with Gail Goddard, certified professional organizer and owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. Hi, everybody. The Clutter Fairy Weekly is a webcast and podcast where we dig deep into the clutter that stands between people and the lives they want to be living. We aim to make sense of where so much stuff comes from in the first place, and we offer strategies to slow down the accumulation, reduce the collection, and comfortably manage the stuff we choose to keep. We rely heavily on the questions and topic suggestions we get from you, our viewers and listeners. If you're joining us in the Zoom meeting for the first time, you can share your comments and questions via the chat, and I'll try to make sure Gail addresses them before we move on to another topic. You can also use the raise hand feature to let, let us know if you would like to make a comment or ask a question yourself via audio or video. We're also streaming the webcast live on Facebook, so you can share your questions and comments there, and I'll relay them to Gail. And during the webcast every Tuesday, you can call us at 669-900-6833, use meeting ID 993-419-863 and password clutter to join the meeting. We're going to start today, as we usually do, by talking about last week's weekly tittle. The assignment was to identify, clarify, and manage an unintentional collection. We put that in quotation marks, which we defined as a set of related items that we've accumulated without even trying, such as Talenti gelato containers, <laughs> stale or fresh wrapping paper, or enough plastic utensils to supply a company picnic. We want to hear from our participants in Zoom and Facebook who took control of an unintentional collection this week. Please let us know in the comments. We've gotten a lot of feedback on last week's show, mostly from viewers and listeners who reported on their own unintentional collections, including quite a few that we didn't mention or variations, fresh variations on themes that we covered. Anya, who is with us today, shared that she has spent the last several years eliminating her exercise equipment cemetery that she and her husband had collected. It's such a great, I don't, I can't believe I never thought of it, but the exercise equipment cemetery is a perfect description of every person's exercise machine collection. They sort of start to look like, they look like monuments after a while. (laughs) It's so perfect. And our wind on YouTube offered this comment. I have a huge box of empty, washed, plastic food-grade canisters from the protein powder I started buying two years ago. They're very nice, fit about four pounds of lentils. I already sent a dozen to my sister and used as many as I can can fit for my own bulk supplies, and they keep coming. We use about one every week and a half. A friend suggested I call a food pantry and see if they have a need or use, and another suggested a community (laughs) garden. And also in response to last week's show notes, Nancy wrote, I had never realized how much I do the things you talked about in this podcast. I get shampoo slash conditioner with my hair dye, and I really don't use it. So this is definitely an unintended collection. Spices, yep. Pens, yep. Vacation mugs, absolutely. I will look at them with new eyes now. I love that people started noticing the unconscious collections in their own homes. When you collect without intention or conscious thought, a collection can grow out of control in a hurry. Like the big canisters from their favorite product that holds four pounds of lentils. Wowza. An empty canister every 10 days means 36 or 37 canisters per year. If you're not going to recycle them, you've got to get creative about where they're going to go. Finding a long-term donation solution is going to take some work. I'd investigate buy nothing or free cycle groups for these, as well as school art programs or school cafeterias. It'll be an investigative job to find who can use storage on that scale in a recurring supplies. And good luck with that. Eclair reported, I threw out the perfume collection. Oh, good job. Several people mentioned in comments that they were unaware that that perfume degrades over time. And I imagine that that's partly because if you keep opening it or you know spraying it and smelling it, what you smell is controlled to some extent by what you expect to smell. 
Oh, well, you know, good point. And so you may not even really notice because it's gradual, especially if you if it's something you wear regularly, you might not realize. Of course, if it's something you wear regularly, you probably will go through it before you, you go through it fast enough. Yeah, you before won't notice. it degrades. Connie said, I've reduced my number of dishcloths and tea towels by donating some to my niece who has a new household. Oh, that was a great way to get rid of some and saved her the trouble of having to get some. Awesome. And Joyce says batteries and whatever has been collecting on the bottom shelf of my coffee table, magazines, etc. Oh, yeah. That's like an easy, I don't have to get out of the couch so I can move it. Right. I'm just, <laughs> I can I'm just, just shove it under there without getting out of here. the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize that move. <laughs> Lee says, I took a good sized crate full of art supplies to the local elementary school. Oh. All the art media that I never use, they were very happy. That's awesome. And you know what? Some teacher's going to spin those out right now and get them in front of kids using it. That's so great. Good job. And, J- and SoCal Jane reports, I found I'd accumulated an amazing number of towels over the years. Two bags of older towels and some extra dog toys made it to the local animal shelter. Oh, who, um, you know, they talk about a recurring need. They definitely go through the towels, um, not the least because dogs tend to shred that kind of fabric up anyway, but just because there's so much cleaning and washing and, um, you know, <laughs> mop up that happens at an animal shelter. So I'm sure they were thrilled to death to have them. Um. Trisha said, I, th- I threw away all my Chick-fil-A and soy sauce collecting in a basket. <laughs> so it's amazing if you do, you know, if you do fast food, even a little or, or <clears throat> delivery food, that stuff mm-hmm. just piles up so fast. Mm-hmm. Okay. We, there are a few more comments on that, but we have a really, really long program prepared today. So I think we should get to it. We should get right to it. Yep. Most of us in the Northern Hemisphere are finished with summer heat now, so we thought we should turn our attention to the great outdoors. A couple of people told us it's already too cold for that, but <laughs> but we're going to assume that at least a few of our listeners are in places where you can still go outside. For those of us who struggle with clutter, outside spaces can become blocked with junk instead of supporting our outdoor aspirations. So today we're going to talk about the kinds of clutter that spill out of our homes and into our garages, patios, balconies, sheds, and so on, and share ideas for making those spaces useful again. And yes, that's my cat meowing in the background. <laughs> Did you hear Hardy Hardy's dream barking over here? Oh. <laughs> well, we love that our pets participate in our lives, right? It's true. <clears throat> so this is the time of year in Houston where I am willing to do jobs in the sun in the, in our area. It's too warm all summer long to go into outdoor spaces and work all day. Some of my colleagues are more adventurous than me, but this is the time of year where I officially say, okay, now it's going to be October. In October until about April, I will do garages, attics you know, storage units, that kind of stuff. I do it when I can stand it without passing out. So (laughs) this is the time, this is why this topic came up at this time of year. Garages and patios and storage sheds get filled up with all the stuff that no one wants to waste time on. And pretty soon the space is unusable. We overstuff our garage until we can't park our car in there. We fill the shed with so much garden equipment that no one has a clue what's in there. We cover the patio with all sorts of outdoor gear and leftover planters and grilling stuff. And then who wants to sit out there to enjoy an evening? It's impossible. So I want you to think about your own garages and patios and sheds and ask yourself these questions. Are you able to park a car in the garage? Can you easily get out and walk to the door when you do? Have you ever been able to sit on the patio or the balcony or the deck and enjoy a nice view while sipping a cocktail or a soda? Can you see what you have in the shed and get to it easily when you're gardening? Or can your yard guys? If the answer to these questions is no, then the clutter in these spaces is impacting your quality of life. Somehow we think of outdoor spaces as the biggest, dirtiest closets we have. We fill them beyond capacity. We use 
less care when doing so, and we totally forget about them when we're not in them. We use them as the worst junk rooms of the house, the last thing places go to die. When something isn't good enough to stay in the house anymore, it goes to the outdoor space as a final banishment. So let's talk about what we find in there. The number one thing I find in any of these outdoor spaces is cardboard boxes. <clears throat> that box that you just got is a perfect size for mailing, even though you mail one package a year and you already have 35 boxes in the garage. Anything that ever held a plan is out there, stacked in a big pile black plastic versions along with painted ceramics every piece of sport equipment everybody anyone ever made is out there as each child goes through this year's sport the sports equipment piles gets bigger and the more kids you have then you have sports times three if you have three kids they all do different sports and then you just get that much more equipment out there <clears throat> certainly everything that's broken goes out there because we're going to fix it, but somehow we never do fix it. And it just takes up space. All the projects that got started and never finished because it was a great idea, but who knew it was going to take 12 hours to complete. So, you know, the ones the refinishing job that never quite got past the sanding because sanding is so boring or the tile repair that never got completed because your husband doesn't want to give up a Saturday off to finish it. What about abandoned furniture? Nice wood furniture is out there absorbing humidity and becoming home for roaches just because we can't let it go to a new home. And let's not forget boxes and boxes of holiday stuff, especially the fall season lineup, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Surely the holiday stuff can go in the shed because we need to stuff the closets in our house with something else. So they end up being banished to the outdoor spaces too. There's always a stack somewhere of leftover materials from the house renovations, leftover tiles or wallpaper or paint. It's never enough to repaint the room, but somehow we feel we need to keep paint for touch-ups. Whoever really does that? If there's a big enough problem, then you have to start over. If it's a minor issue, you might be able to touch up, but then a quart would be enough. If you break a tile because you drop a skillet on it, then you can use one tile for a repair. But if the plumbing under the floor breaks, you have to redo it all and one box of tile won't be enough. Don't think if you live in an apartment building that you're immune to the problem. <laughs> For apartment dwellers, balconies are where the mops and towels and rags go to dry after a spill. And just like any other outdoor space, balconies are easy to ignore. So whether or not you use the balcony at all, things tend to accumulate out there. Balconies are easy to ignore. So whether or not you use the balcony at all, things tend to accumulate out there. So if you pass by an older apartment or a complex, you can look it up and down and see all the balconies and see all the stuff sort of hanging off the balconies or they look super crowded. It's easy to see how in the absence of a yard or a garage, people will tend to let the balcony or even just the space around their front door serve as the out of sight, out of mind function. We put things on outdoor stairs, just like we do on inside stairs. So we stack things on the balcony to get them out of our living spaces and the balcony just becomes a smaller garage for apartment dwellers. You get the idea <clears throat> and all the things that get unceremoniously dumped in an outdoor space are inaccessible. They're blocking pathways and otherwise getting in the way of using those spaces for the betterment of your life. How could you use these outdoor spaces to improve your life instead? Maybe you want to entertain friends on the patio or maybe you just want to park your car in the garage out of the summer heat. At a minimum, you need to be able to walk into them, see the contents, and easily put things away. Being able to walk into the garage or get to the washer and dryer without tripping and put the Halloween decorations away without a fight would be a great place to start. So how do we go about reclaiming these spaces? Truthfully, the same rules apply to these spaces as to any other overstuffed closet. You have to pull it all out, sort it, and make keep-toss decisions and put it back in an accessible way leaving room to walk in or to park the car, whichever applies. You're also bound by the size of the space. So what you need keep needs to be filtered until it can comfortably fit and be reached for quick in and out. Although the same process rules apply here as for a regular closet, there are unique challenges for garages and sheds related to the toss side of the sorting process. There are lots of things that can't just be tossed in the trash. Things that are too heavy, too large, too toxic, um, reusable construction materials all have to be handled in a specific way. 
Also, the keep side of the sorting process requires special thought about storage, storing things outdoor in the heat and humidity and what in essence is a bug habitat. <clears throat> These restrictions make cleaning out a shed a more time consuming project than it would be otherwise. So let's talk about outdoor storage rules first. Number one, cardboard is the enemy of any outdoor space. It's just condominium materials for roaches and mice. And there's something about the glue too that attracts bugs. Don't use cardboard storage in any non-climate controlled space. Two, larger is not better. When you head for plastic containers that have lids that seal, don't grab the first huge container you see at the Home Depot. Unless you have a tall or strong person around the house who will actually help you, the containers need to be a size that you can manage alone. More smaller containers work better for your back. It may cost more in the beginning, but full containers that can't be lifted ruins an organizing job before it's even complete. <clears throat> and one caveat is you may have to have some larger containers because some of the things you're containing are actually that large. But most things can be contained in something smaller, multiples of smaller instead of one big. Because once you fill it, you'll never be able to get it off the ground and into wherever you wanted to live. If you don't want the paints to dry up quickly or the wood flooring materials to absorb water, you might not want them outside. If you live somewhere with reasonable summer temp temperatures, then these may be able to go outside. But in Houston, paint just dries up faster and wood flooring materials absorb humidity. So keeping them in climate controlled part of the house is another reason to thin them out so that they don't take up a huge amount of space inside your house. You can buy replacement lids that snap on like Tupperware and create a better seal on the paint cans and please label them. There are a lot of paint labels on the market now. You should be able to find something you like. <clears throat> Store the heaviest stuff on the bottom, the lighter stuff on the top of any shelves. And if there aren't any shelves, see if you can arrange things without stacking them too high. You don't want to have to unstack four boxes to get to the one on the bottom. Make sure you leave room for your car door to swing open all the way. And you don't want to be it's having them, the door swinging open and whacking into something regularly because that's not good for your car. So you want to make room for that. Stack things past the car doors that get used the most often. Things that tend to fall over and roll around need to get hung up or put in containers. Um, gardening tools, for example, or uh, sports gear. All that long, tall, pokey stuff needs a rack on the wall or a weighted, heavy, tall trash can type object to contain them. Yeah, some sort of vertical, narrow bin. Bin, yeah. And they yeah. make them specifically for that, but you can also just get a metal trash can and put bricks in the bottom of it, you know, to keep it upright when tall, uh, unwieldy things are standing in them. But there's all kinds of racks to hang garden tools on the wall and fishing gear on the wall and that kind of stuff. So um, <clears throat> you want to corral all those tall things. Standing them up in the corner is a really short-term solution, but as soon as you need one of them, you knock down all of them. So it's better that they have a way to be racked. <clears throat> <clears throat> or they stand in a can that can survive having things put in and out of it. So uh, the first problem about going through the outdoor spaces is how you dispose of things. And so there are unique disposal issues. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Toxic chemicals, for example, um, all the chemicals you use in gardening, really all the chemicals you use in cleaning your house, um, and that kind of stuff all has to be thrown away in a responsible way. It can't be just thrown away in the trash. So you need to find the chemical recycling solution in your area. Um, the city of Houston has two environmental service centers to receive these products so you can safely dispose of them. And you want to make sure that you load them. If you're going to transport them for disposal somewhere, uh, load them inside some of those cardboard boxes you've been saving so that if something spills or is leaking, you're not going to destroy the carpet or this, the upholstery in your car. <clears throat> you may have to drive with the windows down. I filled up my car with chemicals once from a client. And then when I got in the car, it was gassing me out. <laughs> in the garage, you couldn't tell that they were off gassing so much. But when they were enclosed in my car, it was like I had walked into a chemical plant. So I had to roll down all the windows and drive straight to the disposal center 
to try to get there without killing myself. So just be careful. What you don't think is off-gassing may actually uh, be polluting your uh, airspace pretty quickly once it's enclosed. Paint is a disposal issue. It's kind of a hybrid. Uh, fully dried paint, things that have turned into a rock, um, those can just go in the regular trash. But if it's even remotely liquid and can be spilled, then it's not supposed to go in regular trash. Uh, Water-based paint can go to a recycling center, um, but usually any oil-based paint has to go for toxic chemical disposal. Well, and the oil-based paint will never, well, won't dry out completely on its own even, I mean, unless you leave it completely open. It really oh, ought to yeah. go, to, you know, no, no matter how dry it may seem to be, it really ought to go to hazardous waste. Yeah. Latex paint in cans can, can in most municipalities, go to ordinary, go in ordinary trash. Right? Isn't that true? It, the, the dried version, yeah. Dry latex. Still wet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dried if out it's still, latex. Yeah. If it's still wet, then um, you can take it. There's usually, a, you can do it for recycling at, like it goes through the plastic recycling in there. And then I think they offer it away, give some of it away, and then they go through the process of drying it out and disposing of it there. Um, construction materials are like the leftover tile and flooring take up a lot of room and you need to rethink about how much to keep. In theory, you're keeping it in case there's a problem, if in case something happens, but <clears throat> anything beyond a minor problem is gonna require you know, when you, when part of the floor buckles, they rip up the whole floor. When there's a stain, they rip out a whole part. And so a, one box of tile or one box of uh, wood slats or whatever is not going to solve anything beyond a very minor problem. You're going to have to replace everything. So keeping a whole lot of something as a touch up really isn't necessary. So keeping a quart of paint, keeping, um, you know, three or four tiles out of a set and donating the rest so that somebody else can use them, get them out of there, head them towards Habitat for Humanity or some kind of um, construction reuse place and don't save massive amounts of construction material in your house. <laughs> and those are perfect things to take to buy, you know, go to a buy nothing group or to free cycle because someone else may want to use your vast quantity of tiles to redo their bathroom. So <clears throat> It's a good thing to um, offer up for free to someone else. Uh, large furniture that can be used, you can, it needs to be donated. So looking for a pickup solution for that furniture is necessary. And broken stuff needs to go out with heavy trash. So unlike when you clean and find things that are broken inside your house, the broken stuff that's in the garage tends to be really big things <laughs> a lot of the time. And so... You can't just throw that in your regular trash can and have it be hauled off most of the time. So you need to coordinate with uh, when heavy trash is going to come and pick up so that you can put it at the curb and let, let them take it away. You can also, if you have a whole lot in your garage that needs to be dumped, and when I clean out a garage, I usually get a bagster. That's a thing available in the United States from... Um, Waste management, it's a trash company. They sell this, this, what in essence is a canvas bag that you open up on the driveway and then you fill it up with stuff. And then you can schedule a pickup from their trash truck and it comes and takes it away. So if you have a huge amount that needs to be dumped all at once, you can get a bagster and not have to wait for heavy trash. You can deal with it right now and pay for it to be carried away. <clears throat> so let's talk a little bit about project timing. Outdoor work is hard and tiring. You may not be able to do the whole thing at once. So plan around disposal instead. Do all the removable things first and get those out of the way. And then you can plan the layout of what you've kept another day. This way you don't have to put it all in the driveway only to run out of steam at the end of the day and have to pull it all back into the garage again. So the idea is get that furniture out of there and donated. Get the toxic chemicals driven off to the disposal place get all your recycling out to the recycle place anything else that you want to give away that you're going to give away in some other method besides trash make all that stuff disappear first <clears throat> and then you're down to things that will actually go out in heavy trash or things that you want to put in a bagster and the things you're going to keep so you can do those in, you know today you can do toxic chemicals 
Next week you can do the recycling. The next week you can do have the furniture get picked up. So you can break the job up into removal and specialty disposal first and get all those things done. And then you're left with uh, the actual cleaning, reorganizing, putting things away part of the process. And you can do that a part at a time. I had a consultation with someone who, by virtual, who had a, what in essence was a three-car garage that was being used for partially for a work area for her husband. He had a tool section in there and she was storing excess kitchen there. And there were some other like construction material and stuff there. And so there were several sections of the garage. And so I told her it's so big, you obviously can't do it all in one sitting. So divvy it up to a quarter and she worked on one quarter at a time. So she dug out, cleaned out, found all the donations, hauled them away did the reorganizing, adding new storage systems in or wherever she needed for what was going to be there and that kind of stuff. And she did it one quarter at a time. So it made the project um, something that she could complete without running completely out of steam and without pulling everything out and then having to put it all back. I mean, what a waste of time if you pull it all out and then you don't get anything done or you don't get enough done. You have to put it all back again physically until the next day you can pull it all out. So you don't want to get caught in that loop um, if you're doing heavy trash, then pull everything out that will be picked up by the city. And once all the rest is removed, you're going to spend that day organizing what there is to keep. Don't worry about getting containers or systems until you, you're sure you've gotten everything out that you need to get out. Because investigating, looking for those things will help you see what's in there, what needs to stay, and what you need to try to contain. And of course, you're always going to find things at the end that oh man, I missed this. This should have gone to toxic chemicals too. Okay. And if you have to make more Round than one run, that's okay. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> it's just that garages can go from being a little small single car thing or a little shed in the backyard or one little balcony in an apartment. So it can be a square footage that's, you know, 50 square feet, or it can be a thousand or 2000 square feet, depending on where you're living and what you have access to. And maybe you have a garage and a shed and another shed and a balcony, like you, a patio, you may have all kinds of outdoor spaces. And so obviously they, they're going to have to be done in stages as you go around your apartment. I mean, around your living space. <coughs> so I hope these tips help you reclaim your outdoor spaces so you can love being out there again and parking your car inside is an ultimate goal in Houston. I don't know about anywhere else, but if you can get your car in the garage so that your car is not a thousand degrees when you go out to get into it, that is a driving factor that will make everyone get going because or, they can get their car in there in the shade. Or if you have an attached garage, then the dream in Houston is to be able to get to your car without getting soaking wet. On the many, the many days a year in Houston when it pours rain. Exactly. <laughs> exactly true. Amanda says, we are working in reverse with our shed. Everything is in our garage now, and we are cultivating shed items as they go in. We are over 90% with our shed and garage project now. That's great. That's cool. That's very cool. Uh, Connie says, for me, it is not necessarily dealing with stuff that lands on the balcony, but rather making room for plants that have to be taken indoors in winter. Yeah, like, you know, you can fill up a patio with with plants and then it's like, oh, wow, now I have to drag them in and put them somewhere. Right. Yeah. And the time to think about that is not, you know, the day you hear that it's going to we're going to have a freeze tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> you should plan plan ahead a little bit for that aim for that earlier right yeah we don't have a lot of we don't get a lot of freezing weather here so we just have to we plan ahead by having a tarp that we can put down and you know be able to bring everything in and have enough clear space in the you know near the back door so that it, it can all come in everything tender can come in when that happens you know i was thinking as we prepared this that people you know, it's not as applicable to people in apartments, but then all this last week, anytime I've been out and about, I notice 
we, there are a lot, a lot of little old apartment complexes near us. Yeah. And, you know, probably two out of three balconies, you can see the stuff that has accumulated. And I, I think it's just, it's really natural to sort of rank your whatever outdoor space is available to you as a second tier living, you know, and I, I don't want to, you know, bust anyone with whom I spend a lot of time on the deck, but I've noticed it, you know, when we're do when we're having outdoor fun, when we're having drinks and or dinner on the, barbecue dinner on the deck, it's really easy to party till everyone is tired. And then somebody just says, Oh, leave it all. We'll clean it up tomorrow. Right. Cause it's you know? outside. Cause it's outside. And yeah. as long as you do clean it up tomorrow, <laughs> you're okay. <laughs> But if not, <laughs> but if not, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's just, it's just an easy thing to do. Right. It's true. Um, Joyce says living in a condo with no garage or outdoor storage. My situation is closets galore and the laundry slash utility slash storage room, which is barely big enough for laundry slash utility. Yeah. One of those, one of those condo a condo place doesn't have a lot of extra they don't build it for you to have excess storage they try to maximize the limiting space in that situation so that you have a big master closet or you have a big bedroom and they sacrifice extra storage excess large storage in particular they don't give you those spaces and so you it's one of the th- way that you can, when you downsize, you have to get rid of a whole bunch of extra stuff because they just subtract those options, those space options from your living area. And man, that must be a shocker when you move into a condo from living in a house. We, we moved from house with our apartment with great big closets and a small, we had a small storage storage unit in the complex to house with almost no closet space and a basement and the basement is slightly climate controlled it's humidity there's a dehumidifier down there and it gets some benefit from the heat and air conditioning in the house but not a lot so we have to make pretty careful choices about what can be stored down there so that's that's going to be our problem outdoor space and the garage right. and the garage yeah anya says my husband and i designated two shelf boards to cardboard boxes for shipping the rest had to go no problem because we mail order cat and dog food every other week and definitely get enough boxes all re- anyway feels so great everybody that you know now that everybody has shifted to so much more online shopping, like whenever you think you need a box, just wait a day until the next shipment comes and there's your new box, right? Yeah. Yeah. The or idea until, of saving them is. Yeah. Or until your next door neighbor puts them. If you're not the one ordering, watch for your next door neighbor to put them out for recycling. There right. Will, and then you can get a box. <laughs> I don't think we're in any danger of running out of cardboard boxes. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true. Amanda said, we are military and move every three years. And I have finally said no more boxes that just sit in our garage until the next move. New rule, use it or lose it. There you go. And I bet that when you need moving boxes, it's not hard to find them. There's lots of people with those boxes in their garage waiting for a reason to give them away to you. That's a good plan. Jane said, several years ago, I had a dryer fire. When the firefighters came, they asked what was in the boxes in the garage. They said they were fuel for a fire because the boxes were empty. That comment motivated me to let them go. Ooh, what if they've been full of stuff? Mm. Man, you don't want to think about that. You're sort of building a campfire. You're building a campfire fuel sitting in your garage in in cardboard boxes. That's terrifying. Good Lord. Pat said, I no longer drive and spent this summer making my one stall detached garage into a she shed. Oh, I used a storage container delivered to my driveway for sorting and decluttering. I had it for a few months at about $120 a month. Go mini company. It was amazingly convenient. 
What a good plan. Yeah, that's a terrific solution. Yeah, yeah. And then after a couple of months, it goes away again, right? Yeah. That's awesome. As long as your homeowners association allows that kind of thing sitting on your driveway for a couple of months, that's awesome. And um, I'm not, I don't know the name on this one because it's just identified as iPhone, but I will call iPhone, iPhone. And iPhone says, my husband works six days a week. So joint projects are relegated to Sundays. Sometimes weather was too hot or too cold. So we only averaged one day a month. It took a year, but we found enough space to park the car in the garage. Hooray. And that affects you every day, right? You did all that work, but what you got out of it was every day being able to get the car in the garage and get in and out of the car inside the garage. And that benefits you at least twice a day when you go into the car and when you bring the car home again. And that's awesome. It makes all the work worth the effort, doesn't it? Good Um, for you. And this is, and Lorraine, this is reporting on the tittle, I think, uh, from last week. My daughter used to work as a department manager in the cosmetic department at Macy's. This was years and years ago. Needless to say, she gave me tons. I finally got rid of all of it. It took up three quarters of a large kitchen trash can. Oh, my gosh. That was a lot of product. Good Lord. That is a serious <clears throat> unintentional collection. Right. And and how much makeup did she think you were wearing? <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, man. That's the thing. It's like once you have a really big collection, there's no one person that wants to receive it all. Nobody is using it at that volume anyway. And so disposal becomes a real problem if you don't do it regularly. Trying to send it on to someone else is too hard because no one wants all of your collection in one hit. So then you have to like dole it out over a collection of people and that's a pain so it's something that you have to definitely do in in increment quick 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 and yes it's gone i'm proud of you that's very very wonderful good for you um joyce says our township will take hazardous clutter once a month didn't get rid rid of much a few weeks ago but it still felt good one one bottle is one less bottle you have to contend with right Oh, and here's an interesting comment from Rowan. Broken wood furniture can be posted on Facebook Marketplace. Friend had three people who wanted an old wood chair with a damaged foot. So that they could, you know, do their repair project. Their they that, yeah, like they thought yeah. that was fun to recover it. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. We, Why not? My dad never met a chair too damaged. You know, he would find he would if he saw something out in out for heavy trash and all the you know, all the parts were there or even most of the parts were there. He would gather it all up and take it home and go to work on. And he did some, you know, amazing repairs on chairs. And in fact, when we when Jaime and I ran our half marathon in Chattanooga, we were running across one of the bridges and we saw a a chair that had fallen that had obviously fallen off of a truck and then been run over or hit (laughs) five or six times. And so it was just like shattered into a million pieces. And I had a momentary thought dad could still work with that, (laughs) but you know, we were running and so you had to keep going. I didn't have my phone with me. And so we had to let that one go. Well, and you know, if, if it's just a, if your hobby is that kind of woodworking and it's just a challenge to you, um, that wouldn't be me, but I know there's lots of people out there that think that's, that's entertainment. So great. Put it on Facebook marketplace and say, who wants to repair my chair? You can have it. What a great idea. Thank you for reminding me of that Rowan, because that's there. I mean, they have TV shows about that where they go plucking things out of heavy trash and challenge them to make it into something fun. And what a great idea. There's people out there that would want to do that. It would not be me, but there are people that think it's cool. So there you go. Uh, Ginger mentions, uh, check your local county recycling. Montgomery County in Conroe takes a lot of different stuff. Um, And Lise asks, do you have advice for propane tank storage? So I'm guessing that you mean full propane tanks or the empties? ask Lise to weigh in and tell both she give says us more on the question oh okay she says both okay so the thing about propane is that 
it needs to be safely stored. That's the biggest problem. And I guess it depends on how, how much you have, but can it be in the garage without being, I mean, in California, it's probably just as hot as it is in Houston. Can it be in that level of heat and be stored? Okay. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't either. So the empty things are, you just need to be able to, because the thing about procreating is you, you go and turn them in and get new ones, right? Like you go return the empty. So storing those empty ones in something that like on a shelf so that, that they don't roll off or standing up in a canister, but you don't want it too big. So you can't pick it up again later. Um, you might want to use a small box that you're comfortable with and not cardboard. So they don't punch through it. <laughs> you want something sturdy. And then when you've got six of them, then you, that triggers you to go to the store and turn them back in. So the idea that a small container triggers the chore instead of a big container but it's currently in the garage okay so hold on i'm just reading to see what she says here i just read they should not be in an attached garage yeah you know if they were to catch on fire <laughs> better that they don't catch on fire attached to your house right <clears throat> i'm just thinking so then the alternative is if you have an attached garage but you want to store it then then that secondary uh, yeah and the fumes right so then the secondary thing might be the outdoor shed that is apart from the house and not attached to anything else so they can store and those things aren't perfectly sealed so some of the you know it, it the vent. idea that get can vent out of that area and sometimes they have like um um you know they have like vents built into the roof or the top of the wall or something so that for specifically because people put gasoline cans with their with their lawnmower and stuff out there. And so you don't want to accumulate a bunch of um, gases in it. And so they vent out those things as well. Um, if you use propane a lot and you, and you have, you're going to be storing a collection of them that are waiting to be used. And then ones that are be empty, then I would see about something detached for sure. Um, if they, if your garage is detached from the house, then the only thing you're risking is your car, which I guess is, a big enough expense That's, to risk. Right. So yeah, you certainly don't want them in the house. That is for sure. And you don't want them near anything that sparks. So like if the hot water heaters in the garage, then you may not want those kinds of canisters, you know, accumulating gas in where there's a hot water heater that's turning up, firing on and off all day long. And so, uh, yeah, I think the whole outdoor storage thing is not a bad idea. And if you go to the you know, here's the Home Depot or Lowe's and wander in there and say, hey, what kind of outdoor storage do you have? Aside from a big building, you might be able to use a smaller plastic or metal thing that has doors on it that you can sit next to the garage or, you know, somewhere at the back of your property. It doesn't have to be a huge, huge building. It can be something smaller yeah. um, that will accomplish the same thing if you're just worried about the propane tanks and why not have a container just for the propane tanks. Like, I think that makes sense. Sorry, I'm not the best expert on that. That's as much as I got. I'm sure there's better advice from someone who's more expertise in that. I'll ask my brother-in-law and we, maybe we'll re Mr. revisit this topic. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll get uh, we'll get better information he's, from- He's he's both a propane tank user and a- An former, outdoor guy and, and a, a- former Home Depot employee. So he, there might, you have, go. he might have a few thoughts on the matter. <laughs> right? <laughs> PRC asks, how do you park both cars in the two-car garage and still have storage without overwhelming the space? So that is why overhead storage was invented, because they designed the garage to fit the two cars in as long as there's nothing on the sides or between the car, because otherwise you can't like, and most of the time you get the two cars in and then you can open the car door most of the way, but not all the way. And this is the case in my father's garage. He and his wife both parked their cars in, and then there's barely enough space on both sides for everybody to get out and space in the middle for my stepmother to be able to get out without hitting his car with her car. So they have to very carefully like thread the needle. They both have to like watch their side mirror and let it basically slide past the rubber gasket on the 
outside to make sure that they fit in correctly. So what that means is they can put stuff in front of the cars and they can hang things high up on the walls besides the car, but they can't have anything on the ground. And then there is, you know, storage overhead. So they make racks that stick in above the, into the ceiling that are basically uh, wire racks that have pretty big um, gapping in the, in the mesh so that you can put boxes and things up over your head. Now, you can't access them without the garage, without the car being out of the garage, because then you got to get on a ladder to put things on top of there. They do make versions that have um, pulley systems, so you can lower it, raise it and lower it. And the only thing that makes me nervous about that is it also leaves the possibility that that raising and lowering capacity might malfunction one day and drop everything on your car. But in theory, whether it's permanently locked or something that raises and lowers, you can get things over your car because no one is ever standing in the place where your car is with their head above the car. So you ought to be able to get it above your height when you stand up out of the car and still have things hanging all the way from front to back of the garage. <clears throat> it creates a lot of, it's basically imagine that you were storing it all on the floor and then you just lifted the floor up to the ceiling. And so it creates a, a great space for here's where all the Christmas stuff goes that doesn't come out for a year. And here is the, like, I wouldn't put a bunch of huge, heavy um, tools and things up there, but there's always a million things that are stored in the garage for temporary for a part for pulling out twice a year and they can go up on top of that thing and then you get the ladder out and you pull them back down and it's okay <clears throat> it's a good idea it's a good way to use that space and not and not crowd yourself out and you don't want to make it hard to get in and out of the car any harder to get in and out of the car when you do that at least you know two times a day and probably eight times a day versus the Christmas boxes can live up there and they only have to come down once a year. You see the difference? It's like aim for the functionality that gets, that you use the most often and shoving everything up over your head is a great idea. And even if you just, even if you don't want to do that, even if you just put a shelf that is very high up over your head, all along the edges of the garage or hooks that are that start way up over your head so that you can hang things up. And then whatever's hanging is not hanging on top of your head. <clears throat> the idea is to get it up and out of your way. And so you can accomplish that really easily with hooks or um, a racking system. You can step up to shelves. You can step up to a full hanging deck above your head. Worth the investment if it gets you, uh, if it makes it easier for you to get in and out of your car. And then the one other thing I don't think I heard you mention is be realistic about how much you plan to keep in your garage. If the priority is keeping your two cars out of the weather, out of the heat or the cold or whatever the we whatever the weather is in your area, then there may be there may be things you need to let go. Yeah, I mean the idea of keeping your garage as your um, no cost storage unit is one priority, and ha having access easy and careful access to your car is a better priority. And so let the cars win and let go of some stuff that doesn't need to be there. Absolutely. Um, Nancy, who I previously ad identified as iPhone says, we kept our propane grill with the bottle on it in outside storage in Can Kansas summer heat for many years. And many people in our area keep them covered on the deck or patio. Oh, so they stand them out there and then they drape something over them. I think so. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay. We are quickly running out of time. So let me make an announcement or two. I want to remind those who are with us live that we have a YouTube channel with more than 170 videos on lots and lots of organizing topics. Visit cfhou.com slash YouTube. And while you're there, we encourage you to subscribe to the channel and click the bell icon next to the subscribe button if you want to get notified when we post new content. I also want to remind everyone that we will be back next week, Tuesday, October 5th at the usual time, live in Zoom and streaming on Facebook. A lot of conflicting factors compete in our heads as we weigh whether to keep or let go of stuff. 
thoughts and feelings about price, value, beauty, and sentiment struggle against harsh realities of space limitations, dust, time, and mobility. In our next episode, we'll examine factors that contribute to the complexity of keep-toss decisions and offer strategies for making choices that work for your life. Join us October 5th for The Value Equation, Mental Models for Making Sense of Our Clutter. Okay, let's talk about the tittle. The Greater Outdoors is the tittle's title. (laughs) We want you to turn your attention to your outdoor life, evaluate the condition of your garage, your shed, patio, deck, balcony, whatever your outdoor space is. How is this space serving your life? Is there anything you'd like to change about it? Remove any trash or items that have outlived their usefulness and are ready right now for disposal, recycling, or donation. If overhauling the space seems like too big of a project, you can still make a plan and schedule appointments with yourself for cleaning and refreshing the space to better serve your needs. If your living arrangements don't include an outdoor space, take a look at your window sills and the window treatments. Is there any clutter that's there keeping you from bringing the outdoor air in or enjoying the view? That's what we want you to look at and the assumption that it's not completely miserable for you to do it. (laughs) I'm sorry if it's already snowing in your part of the world and we've missed your window, but if you can stand it, (laughs) now's the time for anybody in a warmer climate. It's finally a reasonable temperature to stand outside for four hours and do something. So get it on your list and see what you can find. Okay. Come and tell us about it. If you're watching this on YouTube, we would love for you to join us live. To get notifications about upcoming events, we invite you to join the meetup group by visiting cfhou.com meetup. Meetup will send you weekly reminders about, about these get-togethers so that you won't have to miss one. You can also follow us on Facebook by going to cfhou.com Facebook or subscribe to our mailing list by visiting cfhou.com slash subscribe. We love to hear from you, so please keep your questions, comments, and topic suggestions coming on YouTube, on Facebook, or anywhere that you find us. And you can always reach us through our website at clutterfairyhouston.com. Thanks, everybody, for coming. We appreciate that you visit us every week. We will be here next week talking about the next crazy thing about organizing. And we hope you're here to listen to us. Yes, we will. See you later. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.